full disclosure, we sound really good now, right now, right? <laughs> okay, so you called us Saturday and said, how you doing? And we said, oh, hey, we've been fighting all day. Well, let's talk about marriage now, right? Um, I really would not be shocked at all if we asked you guys at the end, like, to pray for marriages. I would totally. not be shocked at that. If you're okay with that, just to say a prayer for... Mm-hmm. Um, like we beginning didn't. with ours. <laughs> <laughs> we might yeah. need to fast first. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to another Full Life Conversation. Today, we welcome back Laura Livingston. You may remember her from a previous episode during our Daniel series. But this time, her husband Jeter joins us to share some incredible nuggets about awakening, years of doing ministry as missionaries on front lines in Cote d'Ivoire, or Ivory Coast, as us laymen like to call it, and God's work in their marriage over the years, all from a very vulnerable place. I hope this conversation ministers to you as much as it did to us. Here's Laura and Jeter Livingston. Well, good to see everybody. Good Welcome. To be here. Glad you. y'all are here. Krista, we got some friends in the studio today. Yes, so excited. We got some friends. You want to yes. introduce her? I'll introduce him. Does yes. Sound good? So, Laura Livingston. Ooh. Oh, Laura, I am loving getting to know you better. I told Greg when I was leaving Grounded the other day, I said, I just knew it. I knew that we would jump straight in the deep end of the pool. There was no small talk or anything like that. We just jumped, we just went for it. And it was awesome. So we're so glad to have you back. You've been on an episode yes. in a previous in last season. Mm-hmm. And so we're so glad you're back and you've brought a very special someone. In. You sure have. You have brought your husband, Mr. Jeter Livingston. Yes. Uh, I would say, uh, Jeter, uh, can you just display the best radio voice <laughs> in Asbury? For, you just say hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> your, your face was like, oh, why'd you ask that? Um, but no, Jeter and uh, Laura have been in ministry for a long time. They have been missionaries uh, in Cote d'Ivoire and uh, just have some incredible experiences there. Uh, Jeter, um, I'll just say two things. I could say a lot. One is uh, you definitely have the gift of preaching. And that's something that God's given you to give to his church. And I feel like you have always reminded me of that. When you pray for me before I preach, mm. that it's God's gift that he gives. And that always has helped ground me. I feel like when you've prayed for me. Um, but then even more than that, I think uh, fruit's more important than gifts. And uh, just you have a great humility that mm. uh, both of you guys do. You guys never have put yourself forward. Um, and the more we learn about you, we're like, wow, you guys have taught. You have uh, been in apostolic roles. You've written. And yet we had to find all that out just by getting to know y'all. You, you know, you didn't. So that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah. welcome. We're so glad you're on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Yes. We are glad we're here. What is real life looking like for you guys right now? Life is picking up on different fronts. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm a guy that cycles. I think a lot of people do. And uh been going through some the down cycle mm-hmm. now uh it's starting to go back up mm-hmm. which is always fun uh and even this well all of a sudden we started having some opportunities to do some different ministries and that's 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 great that's cool mm-hmm. um and then this morning uh, my small group uh, just three of us get together and and do a bible study weekly and I don't know. It was just, it was really blessed this morning. And mm. I think we all came out of there just uh, 
really in a bit of awe of, of how the dynamic, I think we, we stepped it up a little bit. Mm. Oh. So that was very encouraging to me. And uh, uh, so I'm on the up cycle and who knows how long I'll be up there, but yeah. here we are. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. We actually talked in our last season uh, quite a bit about mental health mm-hmm. and uh, wrestling with grief. Yeah. And I bring that up because uh, I know in my own journey that I talked about in last season of uh, been in some intense grieving in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I just say that because I feel like you two, Livingston's, have you know been encouraging to me in that you've walked through some of that. You've walked through missionaries that have walked through some of that. And so... We just really believe in the value of community that can both have joy together in the spirit and that can grieve together in the spirit. And I think it's important we lift that up yeah. uh, just to our listeners and say, hey, you need both. That's right. You guys also have uh, some awesome grandkids. Uh, how many grandkids do you have? Nine. Seven here in Huntsville. Okay. <clears throat> so tomorrow night, band preview at Sparkman. Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, we run a track meet. <laughs> wow. Yes. Track meets are uh, not track meet. I'm sorry. Cross country. We're getting a little old for that whole cross country thing where you like run over here and watch them run by. And then you got to run over there so you can see them. Run, and then you run over there. Like, yeah. Then you go home and take a nap. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we're, yeah, that's fun. It's fun. We've got them in band and tennis and wow. track and cross country and yeah, one cheerleader. I always like to know what people's grandparent names are. What do your grandkids call you? Uh, my name is Baba. Baba. It's a it's a word actually it means father in Arabic. Oh. Uh, and you also find it in many African languages, and hmm. it usually designates uh, a wise old man. Okay. Oh, I love that, Jeter. <laughs> Baba. Okay. Yeah. And mine is Meme, which is just French for Granny. Oh. Okay. But in Alabama, it, rather than May May, it sounds a lot like May May. Just <laughs> a little painful, Come but on, we're adjusting to it. <laughs> Since we were the first grandparents, you know, we got to pick our names rather than being stuck with ones that had already been picked. So. I love so that. Anyway. Dieter and Laura, can you remind me of just how you guys got called to be missionaries? We, we didn't actually. <laughs> no, we're still waiting. <laughs> Uh, honestly, um, we have never had that kind of experience. Many people have. Mm-hmm. Our experience was when we got married, we wanted to serve God. Mm-hmm. We had ideas about what that would look like. Uh, missionary pastor was not a part of that equation. Yet uh, God kept opening certain doors, and we walked through and closed doors and open others, and we just kept walking and trying to serve, and lo and behold, one day we wake up, and there we are in Africa. <laughs> wow. We, um, yeah, we, in fact, when we first started talking about marriage, I made Jeter promise he would never be a pastor or a missionary, because that was like not no. on my list. Oh, yeah. That was a deal breaker. <laughs> I had no problem with that, because that wasn't That was my not our either. plan for our life <laughs> at all, but we lived, um, the you know, he was still in grad school, and we lived right around the corner from housing that was full of missionaries. And one couple in particular, and I just saw this dear lady who's now 96 two weeks ago. She is still speaking into my life after mm. all these wow. years. But they were, they had kids our age that we'd gone to school with, and 
they invited us into their home a lot. They were on home assignment from one year from Africa, and they fed us says we were college students and starving. So, you know, we and they just mentored us and they just kept saying, look at hmm. you don't need a call to go overseas. You need a call to stay in the United States. If people want to know about God, there is every resource. There's TV, there's radio, there's churches, there's bookstores. You need to go where there are no resources. And they wow. just kind of kept putting that in our brain for a year. And we thought, well, we'll apply and they'll turn us down and then we can check that box and move on with the plan we have for our life, which is clearly better. <laughs> and, but every time we'd take a step, another door would open and wow. people kept speaking into our lives that we respected and mentored us. And there we went. We didn't even know where we we're going. They're like, where do you want to, where's God calling you to? And we're like, whatever. So we ended up in wow. Africa. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Can you say that that again? You don't need a call. He said to us constantly, you don't need a call to go overseas. You need a call to stay in America. If you're serious, you know, about... He just felt like with our skills and our gifting. At that time, when we went to Cote d'Ivoire, so we were living in Wheaton. There were like 155 churches in the directory in that little town, right? And mm. in Cote d'Ivoire, where we ended up, one pastor was responsible for over 20 churches. Wow. So it was just like... Wow. In a church of over 300,000 people plus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it, we just felt like, okay, we should probably be willing to use our gifts and abilities there because the need is so much bigger. Yeah. It was just a grasping the need for mm -hmm. us that wow. we just made a decision. And that couple, we, we met many other missionaries through them mm -hmm. with the uh, organization that we went with, the Christian Missionary Alliance, um, which has a very storied history in missions. Mm -hmm. But being around Herb and Jesse and the others, they just totally destroyed my stereotypes of missionaries. <laughs> oh. I mean, these people had fun. They loved their life. <laughs> uh you know, they were just fun to be around. Mm -hmm. I love the stories. They were, crazy. they were crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I but, was like, oh, I don't have to wear sneakers, long skirts, ponytails, and no makeup. <laughs> I, I don't actually have to look like that stereotypical chapel speaker, and I can still be a missionary. It well, did. That, they like they was, blew yeah. us out of the water. It was like, these are really fun, courageous, adventuresome They people. loved God. They loved what they were doing, and they were wow. just so... Magnetic. I mean, they just wow. drew us yeah. to them. Wow. I love that yep. so much. Like I said, she is 96 years old, and I just dropped by and had another mentoring session with her two weeks ago. She wow. talked to me about getting old and my fears about getting old and how I served God in that season of her life, and it was amazing. That's incredible, Laura. I think that is such a great, that's such a great thing to point out. Um, I don't think we ever age out of mentoring. We don't ever right. age out of somebody right. who has gone, who is a bit ahead of us mm -hmm. in, in exactly. whatever way and us being open to them speaking into mm -hmm. our lives. And I think that's, that's such an important thing. Mm -hmm. I, I want to, I want to pursue that until I take my last breath, because I know there's always someone who has walked more closely with the Lord over, you know, mm -hmm. similar things, but different in their own way. And they've gained and gleaned truth mm -hmm. And, and how to in, 
embody that and live that out in ways that I know I need to hear. I always want to be that kind of person. And I think that we talk a lot about investing in um, the younger generations, but I think that a lot of times we, if I'm not, if I'm not really intentional, I think the next generation is the generation that's directly younger than me. But to me, yes, that is absolutely Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. But there is always a generation ahead of Mm-hmm. Or behind where you are, mm-hmm. and how are mm-hmm. we constantly submitting to that and, mm-hmm. and learning? It's just, it's a beautiful picture of community. Yeah, so I just really love is. that. Ninety six years yeah. old. Oh yeah, I yes. cannot imagine how much. I mean, I would imagine. What's her name? Jesse. Jesse. That was my grandmother's name. Oh, Mama. She is something else. <laughs> just, just for the rest, Mama, Mama and Papa. Um, she probably, I would imagine, has more more wisdom in her pinky yeah. than I'll possess, you know? I mean, I just, I yep. just aspire to continue mm-hmm. to grow in wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's remarkable. Well, it, it's a story. I, I have to tell you one story about Herb. Herb was a, he was larger Herb. than life. Yeah. Wow. Her, her husband. I mean, he was six, five, big guy. Um, and just, lo- I mean, he would cry at the trouble. Of he cried at uh, Ernest Steele's Christmas. But... <laughs> We we helped them pack up to go back the year that we had spent with them at the end there going back. And he had like eight tons of stuff. And I said, Herb, what are you going to do with this? He said, well, I'm going to take it. This is back when Chicago still was a port. He said, I'll take it down there and Maybe put it on here. a ship. And I said, ships don't come into Chicago. He said, yeah, I need a ship, so there'll be a ship. And sure enough, there was one ship. All year long, the time he needed it, that sailed from there to Abidjan in Africa, where he needed to go. <laughs> he was that kind of guy. That's, that's the way what he his lived. Whole his whole life was like. Oh, wow! My goodness. So you you're George around Mueller-ish. people like that. <laughs> it just you know, hey, I want to be, you know, yes. when I grow up, I want to be like that. Yes. <laughs> wow. So they had a deep impact on your guys' journey. Oh, oh my yeah. word! They, I mean, she still has a deep impact on me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Still. So you guys are like, you know, how old were you then? Early 20s when you first started? Yeah. 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 So you're, you're I like, was late that 20s. Was the first year we were married. Yeah. So you were 26. 26. And I was 21. Right. Yeah. Babies. So you're Babies. in your 20s. <laughs> you meet this couple that's living, I would say, radically spirit filled lives. They deeply impact you. You give God a blank check, say, hey, wherever you want, you know, whatever you're saying, I'm in. And then you guys go through decades of ministry in Africa, um, go through a, a civil war in Cote d'Ivoire. I mean, just, and I, I say all that to say, it's amazing to me that we're here mm. sitting in this studio and that you're here at a church that God's written the word awakening mm. on it because you guys would see that from such a unique lens. Mm-hmm. And um, I do feel like God's bringing more people here mm-hmm. to Asbury that have that heartbeat that are like, hey, I came for a fresh move with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it just, it, it stirs my faith to see that God brought you guys here. Yes. And um, to think of all the things you've seen and done and that you're praying for that same, those same things to be seen and done here. Mm-hmm. That's just incredible. Yeah. That stirs my faith a lot. Well, I um, think we sense that the very first Sunday. I mean, we came here one Sunday and we said, okay, this is it. This is wow. the church. You know, once we moved and we had a list of things we were looking for, and I think I said that last time, but it only took us once, you know, and we saw 
what God was doing here and yeah. knew we wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. So. Sometimes our lead pastor, Tommy Gray, will say that he feels like awakening is kind of like art in that it's difficult to define, hmm. but that you usually know it when you see it. Hmm. It's kind of like art. You're like, what is art? Is that art? I don't know. But then it's like, oh, <laughs> that's art. Like whatever that is. And, and away, he's right. Awakening is similar. Um, there are different things that I see in our midst that I feel like that's awakening. I'd be curious to just hear your guys' thoughts on it. Um, one thing I think of when I think of awakening is I think of some of the young women that Chris has been pouring into mm. that are experiencing these, I would say, stirrings and even callings. Um, I think of Callie. I think of Sarah Huyen. I think of Emily Ishi, who you team taught with recently. Um, I think of Julia Reagan, who we had on our last episode. And Laura, you, you did a, a ministry activity with some of them a couple weeks ago where you guys did a creative reading in contemporary, beautiful, very powerful. But I honestly felt like that was a moment where seeing these young women step boldly out and proclaim truth. It just felt like a tiny snapshot of that's awakening. Mm-hmm. That's these young ladies waking up. And I saw them do that, I felt like, because they were walking with you, a, an older woman that was walking in boldness. And they were like, well, I'm going to do this. And to me, I was like, that's awakening. That We need more of that. Um, what do you guys think of and just when you think about awakening in Asbury? What comes to mind for y'all? I, I think that, well, I know that when you look at the history of the church and moments of awakening on a, on a macro scale, uh, like First Great Awakening in America, Second uh, Holiness Movement in the 19th century. All of those and most of the movements like that were begun by small groups of people who felt a need, a burning desire to know God better mm-hmm. and uh, would begin to pray about that. I feel like one of the things, the mighty things that's going on here is the growth of the prayer uh, aspect at, at Asbury. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you, you can't separate those. Yeah. They go hand in hand. So when I see it, what's going on in the prayer ministry kind of thing, then I th- think well, I've got a lot of hope for awakening going on here mm-hmm. because we're beginning in the right place, yeah. building that relationship uh, with God. Jeter, I like how you said that a lot of these great awakenings in the past started with small groups of people that had a burning desire to know God more. Yeah. That is a refreshingly graspable understanding of awakening. That's clear. That gives me hope, like you're saying, for people here at our church that just say, hey, I don't understand the theological terms. I just have a burning desire to know God more. That's it. You're in. That's awakening. When you said that, I thought that may be the most concise, clear explanation or definition of awakening I've ever heard. I'm going to be holding on to that. Mm -hmm. I I was thinking about awakening even this morning from a little bit different perspective, more in a personal perspective of just being those aha moments. You know, you're in a text or a scripture that you know frontwards and backwards and you're just looking at it again and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness. It's like just the light goes on, the light bulb, you Mm. know. And you see something in it or you feel it applied to yourself in a way that you never had before. And it's something you're so familiar with. And I think we need to have more of those moments collectively mm-hmm. where we share them with each other. And then that will kind of spark this 
growth mm-hmm. together when we have those. Or in maybe in modern parlance, well, duh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or aha, uh-huh, whatever. It's just yeah. like, oh. Yeah. 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 When I think about um, this leg of this sermon series, Stages of Life, um, I'm drawn all the way back to the very, very beginning. I'm drawn back to Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about God, you know, in the beginning, making this statement, let there be light, um, speaks light. You know, we go through all these days of creation. Uh, God consecrates time, um, creates man. Um, you see this moment where God pulls out of man a rib and creates woman. They're brought together. God blesses the covenant of marriage. This is why a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. And right after that, uh, you have the serpent who comes in, and the result of the serpent's work is to drive a wedge between mm-hmm. this thing, this covenant that God's made. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just interesting to me, um, thinking about all these years later, and we're talking um just about like marriage and what it means to restore harmony in the home. It's interesting that the enemy really hasn't changed that game, that that's kind of still what's going on. He's still coming against one of these first things God ever instituted um, because it has so much covenant power to advance the kingdom on the earth. Um, I know Laura and Gita, we were talking the other day on the phone about how when you think of spiritual warfare, sometimes I tend to think of pretty out there things, whether it's, you know, people having like demon possession and that being driven out. I think of that when I think of spiritual warfare, I think of, you know, kind of strange signs and wonders, but I don't usually think of spiritual warfare. And the first thing I think of isn't conflict in marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, But that definitely is an aspect of spiritual warfare. And um, you guys even mentioned just in, in prep for this and in prep for teaching contemporary that um, even like the spiritual warfare of teaching on marriage is a real thing. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on just this idea that, um, you know, from your perspective and things you've seen in ministry and in the mission field, what are your perspectives on just, um, as we fight for awakening, how we're sustaining the health of our house, mm-hmm. uh, the health of our houses, just give me some thoughts on that. You know, when we started talking about, about marriage and the metaphor of a house, whatnot. The verse that immediately came to my mind was in Psalms 127, where it says, unless the Lord builds the house, Mm. the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Mm. So it, uh, you know, that's the foundation. You're, You're right. It is a covenant. And, uh, as we know, we are, unable to keep that covenant on our own. Mm -hmm. So from day one, um, this has got, we have got to be conscious of the fact that unless God is in this, then it's going to fail. If he's not there, it's going to fall apart. And, and uh, I think we have experienced that over our 47 years together. Uh, Once I start letting my relationship with God slip then everything else starts falling apart. Uh, and, and certainly one of the first things uh, to suffer would be the marriage relationship. Hmm. I've been thinking it, reflecting on this a lot this week and um, kind of some big picture thoughts of, I'm not even sure I can put this all into words, but I think especially in this culture today, we don't emphasize marriage as a sacrament. We we 
come into marriage, I certainly did, from a selfish perspective, what I expect to get out of it, what I am willing to give to it, what I think I want God to do with it. But it's it's it becomes so much about me and our relationship. And whereas in Scripture, there's a sense of marriage as a sacrament that God uses to bless even the world and that it's a picture of Christ in the church. And, you know, there's just all these bigger pictures that marriage is the tiny microcosm of what God is doing. And so when we live in it as a sacrament, as a means of grace to those around us and our whole, what we anticipate out of it and what we bring to it is, is totally different. And, and I was also thinking about the fact that I love, um, in other cultures we've lived in, that this very Western idea of a nuclear family, you know, mom, dad, and 2.3 kids, um, is not the definition. Mm. It's mom, dad, grandma, the uncle, the aunt, a couple cousins from the village, maybe a few in-laws. You know, you're all in one compound, and you're family. You are all family. And that, I think stretches our whole understanding of what marriage Mm. is about and what we're supposed to be accomplishing and makes it a bigger picture of Christ and the church when our definition of it is not so narrow. And then how we respond to the difficulties in marriage will be different if big picture of it is that it's a picture of Christ and the church. It's a sacrament Mm. and I just, I just uh, finished reading a book on ethics, uh, theological ethics, and the author is making the point uh, it has to be Trinitarian ethics. In other words, it's got to be something that reflects the Trinity. And they got to thinking that, that you can apply that to marriage as well. Uh, a marriage, in one sense, should be a model of the Trinity, where you have uh, you have this mutual love and respect, you have um, mutual submission, you have longing for unity and striving for uni- unity of purpose. Uh, you have this longing to share that love with others around you, you know, hospitality and that kind of thing. And just so many uh, of the aspects of the Trinity that could be applied to a marriage and, and you would model that and bring glory to God uh, by, by having that kind of, kind of marriage. So, and it's a work. It's a hard yeah, that work. That is so compelling. That is so compelling. If we didn't have that bigger picture and we didn't have that commitment, there is zero chance we would still be Absolutely. married. Mm-hmm. I think we've told you when we, one of the things we had to do in applying to go as missionaries was pretty intense psychological evaluation. I think we took like seven tests, you know, personality, yada, yada, yada. So we go in, we sit down with the psychologist for the wrap up and he <laughs> looks at us and says, you're the most incompatible couple I've ever met in my entire life. (laughs) To which we thought, yeah, we knew that about five minutes after the honeymoon. And, um, you know, and he said, he said, like, how are you even still married? (laughs) And honestly, it's funny, but it's not. I mean, you talk about baggage. I I brought a steamer trunk into the marriage, you know, and if it wasn't for the commitment and the bigger picture and just constant outpouring of God's grace, there mm-hmm. is zero chance we would be sitting here still wow. married. Right. But but you guys, just the 
the incredible hope of that. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of our younger listeners that are just two, three years married. I mean, think of all those people we were sitting with at the deep water prayer meeting. They were saying mm-hmm. they're two years married, three years married, four years <laughs> yeah. married. I mean, they're probably looking at y'all. You said you're 47? 47. Yeah. 47 years married. I mean, they're probably looking at y'all thinking, man, I want to be like that. That's, that's the spirit of the Lord is moving through them. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> but how, how amazing for them to hear that, that this has been a transforming work of the Lord Oh, yeah. Through this Trinitarian perspective, that's awesome. That like, just what an encouragement to them to yeah. keep yielding their marriage, and what God can do in it. That brings so much hope. <laughs> and brings up another characteristic of God, which is forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Patience. forgiveness. <laughs> yes. But you both had to bring yourselves into that. Yes. Like, if I mean, you had to. I'm assuming at some point you both knew you both had to pursue that actively, you know? Yeah. About five minutes. Left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right after we walked out of the church. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Uh, it, it, and I, it has been a conscious decision on our part. You know, this is what we promised before God, before family, before friends. And, you know, we both came from backgrounds where, uh, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. You stick to it. You don't give up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, without God, as Laura said, yeah, we would have been divorced many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Maybe even last week. <laughs> <laughs> and for part two, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we talk a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. But I so think good. that's what we hope is that by being honest about the fact that we have lived in a very high-maintenance marriage, that it will encourage others that it's worth doing. Yeah. That it's worth doing. And sometimes one of you is the one who's in that place of grace and understanding, and the other one's just not, and you're going to carry it by yourself for a while. And that balance swings back and forth, too. It isn't always that we're both agreeing about the spiritual need. Sometimes it's one is carrying the other one that's for a it. while. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I think that's a, a great picture of of what happens when we are honest and vulnerable in context of community, mm-hmm. because it would be really easy to interact with you guys on a just kind of an acquaintance level and think, well, they've been married 47 years. Clearly they have it figured out. <laughs> Your willingness and openness to saying as you just said, Laura, this this has been a high maintenance marriage. I think that is incredibly important for people who are earlier in their marriage journey. And as you guys were talking, I thought about when I was in school for counseling, our group counseling course, uh, we talked a lot about different theories, but there was this principle of universality um, that I believe it was Yalom who talked about the principle of universality, that something really important happened and very profound and transforming in a group, in a power of a group, because you realize you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be very helpful, hopeful, mm-hmm. and encouraging mm-hmm. for people to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate you guys being willing to be so open. Yeah, yeah. Just open question for anybody speaking to. Um, what would we say or what would we pray for somebody who's listening today, that right now in the week we're in, uh, they're married and it's a hard week in their marriage. I understand that spans a whole lot of what that could mean, um, but just I don't know. What's something you would 
you would say or you would lift up. Um, say, hey, if, if right now is not a fun time. There are so many things that you could say about that. I mean, about hope and about looking at the long term, you know, not just today. But I think in my case, so often it was, I need to stop looking at myself. Mm. I need to stop trying to change Laura. Mm. I need to, I need more of God at this moment mm. and, and mm. not to, you know, pursue, I, to drop wanting to be right. <laughs> and, and again, and drop trying to convince her to do it my way or whatever going on. And just say, look, I'm sinning here. I need to get back to God. I need, you know, God needs to wash me up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then go back to the source of the life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then, yeah, and then go from there. Yeah. And you might have to do that every day, many times a day maybe. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I really think gratitude is a neglected value for most Christians. Mm-hmm. And if we would just live out of that place of thankfulness, of yeah. gratitude, we could we could really do a lot better than we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yep. Much. I think a lot about the scripture, whom have I in heaven besides you and being with you, earth has nothing I desire. Mm. My flesh and my heart might, may fail, but the Lord is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. And that's just always my go-to place when I'm miserable and angry and feeling rejected or hopeless or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever those things happen when you've been through a, a rough moment of trying to realize unless the Lord is the strength of my heart and my whole portion, unless I'm delighting mm-hmm. myself in Him, unless I am satisfied in His love, I am not going to be able to love another person. Mm-hmm. Like that's the place I always have to go back to. Yeah. Wow. And start trying to refocus that God is enough. He's my portion. He's enough. Even if I don't get everything I want out of this discussion or this relationship. And that, I mean, it's not, we should live from that place, but it's always a battle for me to get back to it again. Yeah. Yeah. And get centered there. Yeah. I mean, marriage is just hard work. Yeah. Hard work every day. But everything that's valuable in life is hard work. And this is certainly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking when I've been in a a hard stretch and whatever it is, um, I, and there's a lot going on maybe in my head, I may be really quick to forget to pay attention to my physical body. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not Mm -hmm. sleeping well. I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm not resting well. I'm not doing those things that I know are the, the best stewardship of my body. And so I would say, kind of like bringing all of this together, how do we, when I have those times, it's really, really important to me, especially in this season, to have time where I am uh, outside, in nature, walking, just practicing Mm -hmm. the presence of Jesus Mm -hmm. as I go. Mm -hmm. And I may listen to verses on my phone, or I may have absolutely no sound, and I am just trying to get really centered (laughs) into what is happening in his world. I was on a greenway a couple of weeks ago, and I was listening to nothing. I just wanted to see how many different sounds I could hear to give my brain a break. And I was just just worn down. We're, we're physical beings, and we're finite. Mm-hmm. And I heard four different types of birds, not just birds 
and the the creek, but for different types of birds. And so I think when we have those moments that are really intense and hard, we need to, you know, figure out what is it that brings me life? What is it that reminds me right now in this moment, very tangibly that God is with me? It's different for different people. For me, nature is really just kind of one of my first go-tos and um, he just tees it up so well for us in this beautiful world he's created. And so when we're worn down, we're not at our best. We're not at our best physically either. And so I think just bringing that to bear is an important, yeah. important thing to note too. And I don't know about you guys, but this has been such a rich conversation. So I have enjoyed it so much. We Maybe we can get, get you scheduled for next time before you leave. Yes. You know, even, um, thank you for your wisdom and your insight and your, your openness. And I know that there are probably people who are, listening today or whenever they're listening that um, I just believe this would be an encouraging conversation for them. So thank you. And I'd just like to ask if you guys could just close us out by, by praying for, for marriages or however you feel led to pray. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for um, answering our prayer when we all came together that um, this conversation mm-hmm. would be used by you. And we, right. we believe that you will do that, Father. We ask that you, by your Spirit, would take, sift through the things that we've shared and take whatever's good, Lord, and empower it, anoint it, and use it to encourage and strengthen others. That's our desire with every word that comes out of our mouth. And Father, we've talked about um, lots of things to do in the context of a marriage relationship, but we pray, Lord, for all of those extended family relationships, parents and children, and how we relate to our siblings, Lord, our parents, um, even our roommates or housemates, um, all the relationships that we live in. We pray that you would help us to live in them in ways that glorify and honor you, that we'd stay so rooted and established and centered in your love that we would then be able to unselfishly love others, that um, in all of our extended family relationships, we would be a picture of Christ in the church, that unbelievers around us can look at the way we love each other and learn something about you. That That's the goal, Father, that our marriages and our family relationships would be sacraments that spread grace to the world around us. So we ask your blessing on what we've shared today and on each one listening as we all apply it together. Father, for your glory, we pray in the strong name of Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit is one God, reigning eternally. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. So great to be together today. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. Our thanks again to Laura and Jeter for sharing their hearts with us. We're really grateful God led them here and for them to share such wisdom and life with us. Please send any thoughts or questions for us to podcast at weareasbury.com. If this or any other episode has impacted your life, please give us a rating and share it on social media or just text it to a friend. Thanks again for joining us as we live real life with each other, full life with God, and kingdom life on earth. See you next time.